Welcome to Talking Shop, the podcast all about Adobe Photoshop. Brought to you by learningphotoshop.cc. Here's your host, Dave Cross. Happy New Year and welcome to episode 37 of Talking Shop, the podcast all about Photoshop. In this episode, I'll be reminiscing about the last decade and some thoughts on what we can look forward to in the coming years. My name's Dave Cross. If you have just happened upon this podcast for the first time, I have been a Photoshop educator since, well, pretty much the day Photoshop came out in 1990 and make my living teaching Photoshop, including through my own training site, learningphotoshop.cc. On this podcast, I talk about all things Photoshop, have some interviews now and then, and today I'm just going to reminisce a little bit about how things have changed over the last decade. Like many people, as 2020 approached, I was thinking about what's happened in the last decade. And on some levels, 10 years doesn't really seem like all that much. But let's think for a second about where we were in 2009 with Photoshop. We are at Photoshop CS4. So Creative Cloud hadn't even come along yet. We are at CS4, which means we had nothing content aware. We had no selection tools like the quick selection tool or the select subject or any of those other things which were automatic in fact when i think about a lot of things we used to do in cs4 it was a lot more work and one of the things that adobe continues to do a great job is to change and add new tools and functions that just make our life easier so i'm i'm pretty happy with the changes that have gone on of course as a photoshop educator making my living by teaching photoshop the worst thing in the world could happen to me is if everything just stayed the same and there was no new things to learn in Photoshop. But thankfully, new functions come out and part of what my job is to try and share that information so people get up to speed really quickly. Now, speaking personally for a second, 2009 was a particularly good year for me. At that time, I was working with the Kelby organization and in 2009 at Photoshop World, I was presented with the Photoshop Hall of Fame which is as an educator, which is something I'm continue to be very proud of because it's still a fairly small number of people that have that award. Now, some people I know have said, well, is it, is it really that big an award because it's given by an organization at the time, National Association of Photoshop Professionals, now Kelby One, and selected by a relatively small group of people, but knowing the man behind it and knowing the amount of effort and thought that he put into it because when I was working there I was often consulted as to who would be a good candidate so I know there was an awful lot of thought put into it so when I was presented with it I was was continue to be very happy with that award it was very a nice honor to receive for sure so I started jotting down thinking about the last 10 years between 2009 and 2019 and along with that Hall of Fame award, which was very nice, I started doing some counts and realized that I've taught at 18 Photoshop worlds. I've done like, I didn't count them all, but I want to say it was close to 30 classes on Creative Live. I didn't count the number of classes I did on Kelby because for some time, part of that time frame, I was an employee. I left the employment there at, in 2011, but continued to do some courses and seminar tours. So I didn't even include that in my count of things because I was writing down like how many live events and wasn't even thinking about I was thinking more of other conferences not 
the fact that I did a seminar tour and would go to different cities doing one-day seminars. So there were an awful lot of those as well. Uh, the other things that have been particularly interesting to me, and it's one of the greatest joys of this job that I have, is I've got to go to places like Italy and the United Kingdom and Puerto Rico and Barbados and teaching up in my home country of Canada and also in Iceland. And that's a really nice part of this job is the fact that opportunities come up to go to some other part of the world where I can still do the same kind of Photoshop teaching that I do, but also getting to experience and meet new people and see some new places and things like that. That's pretty darn cool. Now, I don't want to turn this into a, a yay me episode, and I will switch gears very quickly and start talking about some Photoshop stuff. But uh, the other thing that I'm very proud of over the last few years is that I've been able to teach at Adobe Max now on five occasions, and that's Adobe's majorly big event. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger. I think the first year I taught there, there were like 11,000 people, and now there's something like 20,000 or some crazy number of people. And they take all the instructors, they take the evaluations that people fill in on all the instructors and all the courses. And this past year, I think there were 330-something instructors, and they take the top 25 based on evaluation forms and name them as something they call a max master, which means the top of the instructor crew. And I've managed to do that three years, including this past year. And that also is very gratifying, especially in this case, because that comes from the students. And that's, uh, to me, the most important part. And, and yes, it's nice to get that recognition and next year to wear that ribbon on my name tag. But the biggest thing is I get to see the comments that people fill in on the evaluation forms, it's always very gratifying when people say things like, wow, that's going to change my life with Photoshop, or that's going to make my life so much easier, or things like that. That's that's really why people like me do this. It's nice to get the recognition with some award or some ribbon, but it's a lot nicer to get people to come up to you and shake your hand and say, thank you so much. That's really going to help me a whole lot. So that was my quick little reminiscing about the last while personally, in terms of things that I've been able to experience, which has been wonderful. This past year, I started this podcast and just kind of jumped in with both feet, not knowing anything about podcasting, which is not to imply that I, I do now either, because I still really don't. I don't listen to a lot of podcasts. I just like to do this. I like to talk to you guys about what I think is useful to know about Photoshop. So enough reminiscing. What's coming next? Well, Needless to say, the things that I specifically know about for sure, I can't talk about because I'm on a non-disclosure being on the beta program with Photoshop. I get to test new things. And what I will say is that there's lots of interesting technology coming. I think you can see for yourself the fact that Photoshop came out for the iPad. And although the first version in many people's eyes perhaps left a little bit to be desired, it's changing rapidly. There's already new things that have come out since it's the first version of it. So they're very quickly changing and improving and adding to that technology. And one of the things that I think has always been very interesting about Adobe is the transference of technology. So something that might have first appeared in Photoshop Elements or in some initial app for the iPad 
can easily be adapted. Well, maybe it's not easily. I don't know how easily it actually is, but I think it's getting easier for them to adapt that technology and bring it out on a different program. So something that's for the desktop version of Photoshop might appear in the iPad version and vice versa. It's already happening now with things like select subject. And I've talked about this in previous episodes of the podcast that some people are concerned that what's to keep Adobe being to make them innovate when they've got our monthly dollars from our Creative Cloud subscriptions. Well, I'm here to tell you again that I never have any worry about that. I see the things that they're talking about in an episode with uh, Colin Smith we talked about, and I think it was Corey Barker maybe we talked about, something they do at Adobe Max called sneaks, where they show a sneak peek at new technology. And when you see some of the things that they're working on, some of which may never see the light of day, but but even the ones that don't see the light of day are still the starting point of something else. So for example, there's been technology like this content-aware technology I mentioned, where the very first demonstration they showed was quite different than what we have today, but the germ of that idea was still there so that someone realized I can take this idea and massage it into something else and turn it into something that we know now as content-aware fill, which again, continues to get better every time. All right, I'm going to continue talking about some thoughts for what to expect and maybe what you can think about for the coming year. But first, it's time for the tip of the week. This week's tip is a reminder to go back and check functions you haven't looked at in a while. And the reason I say this is earlier this week, I had a member of mine asking about a function called defringe, which has been around for an awful long time in Photoshop. And I don't really use it all that often, but in response to his question, I went and looked at it and found that along with defringe under layer and matting, there was also a function called decontaminate, which is the same as you find in Refine Edge. It's actually a really useful command, and it's nice to know that's available as a standalone command, not just in Select and Mask. So just reminds us to go back and look at menus and commands you might not have looked at in a while because Adobe might have slipped something else in that you hadn't noticed. With short tutorials, in-depth multi-lesson courses, and live Q&A sessions, LearningPhotoshop.cc provides the Photoshop training you need to succeed. Years ago, I used to be one of those people that would, as the new year came upon us, I would write down a list of New Year's resolutions with making, setting myself big goals to achieve, like lose so many pounds or, you know, get in better shape or make this much money or things of that nature. And of course, being human nature, at least for me, the chances of meeting those goals was always, I don't want to say slim to none, but just being realistic. It's like that that thing they talk about where gyms are really busy for the first week or two after New Year's and then it sort of tails off. And that's that's me. I'm one of those people too, to a, a large degree, I would say at least. So then I started making smaller goals. Now, used to be, I don't say this anymore because it kind of became an old joke pretty quickly, but for years when people would say, what's your New Year's resolution or what's your resolution for the coming year? And I'd always make some Photoshop lame dad joke like 240 pixels per inch (laughs) or later on, you know, 1280 by 720. That was showing you how long ago this was because that wasn't, that was considered pretty big back then. 
But uh, yeah, I, I stopped doing that on Facebook after a while because it was kind of like when you realize you've told the same joke many, many years in a row, it's time to move on. So someone asked me the other day, do you have any resolutions for this coming year? And resisting the temptation to make that bad Photoshop joke, I said, not really. I just, my overall goal, I just have a couple of overall goals. And one of them personally is to spend as much family time with my family as I can. Uh, for many years, I was a traveling man. So I would, not, lucky enough, I never missed major events like birthdays and Christmases or anything like that. But there were still times where I was away for a week at a time here and there. And it was tough on everyone, I'm sure. I know it was tough on me. It's so only imagine how hard it was for my wife and, and, and our kids. So more recently, I'm being more picky about travel. So I travel when I want to. And most of the time now, I travel places that are interesting, that my wife can come with me. So whatever event I'm doing, once it's finished, we can also do some exploration on our own because now our only real dependent is our dog Riley and he goes to the puppy spa while we're away. So it's all, it's all good there. But professionally, I started thinking the same thing. Instead of coming up with big goals of, you know, some financial numbers or in the case of my membership site, so many members... I haven't really set any goals. I encourage you to think about your Photoshop learning goals in the same way is to make bite-sized things that you can accomplish. So instead of making a vague goal like I'm going to get better at Photoshop, maybe a series of small goals like I'm going to record a couple of actions, assuming you've never done actions before, that would be a pretty good small little goal was to get easier way into actions or to maybe say, I'm going to make it a goal for myself to start using the keyboard shortcuts to activate a tool. So instead of going and clicking on the crop tool, I'm going to tap the letter C on my keyboard to select the crop tool and start easing your way into keyboard shortcuts by learning some of the easier ones. And just do it that way. Do everything in small little pieces. Most people that I talk to about their desires to learn Photoshop or to get better at Photoshop, they often will say things like, I feel like I'm just scratching the surface or there's so much I need to learn. And fair enough, there, there is a lot to learn in Photoshop. But again, if you think of it as something like, I want to, let's say for the sake of argument that you're not fully comfortable with a layer mask, you kind of vaguely get it, but there's, you still don't quite understand it. So that would be a pretty simple, small goal to achieve would be to dig in a little bit and just do some experimentation and try some things, watch some tutorials, read some blog posts, whatever it is, and then practice. Try it and try it again and try it again until you, the light bulb goes off and you go, oh, okay. So when I paint with black, things are hidden. And when I paint with white, things are visible. And when I use a gradient from black to white, there's a gradual change from fully visible to fully hidden. That's an example of the approach that I would suggest you take with Photoshop is look at things in smaller pieces. Set yourself some small goals instead of having an overall goal like I have to learn everything about Photoshop is just try to get better at small little pieces and eventually it'll all come together and you'll feel like you're getting better at Photoshop as a whole. 
So that's my suggestion for the coming year is to take a, a more stress-free approach to learning Photoshop by making things smaller, bite-sized little goals that'll be easier for you to attain one little piece at a time. Thanks so much for listening to the first episode of 2020. In the coming year, I will have more interviews with some of my Photoshop instructing friends and colleagues, as well as some other experts in the field of Photoshop, along with sharing some of my own thoughts and, of course, the tip of the week. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe and tell your Photoshop using friends. Find us at TalkingShop.show. This podcast is not authorized, endorsed, or sponsored by Adobe, publisher of Photoshop.